Welcome back to our podcast Books and Beyond with Bound. We are a podcast which interviews the best writers in India. So, as you may know, this is our quarantine edition. We have a lot of special guests also accompanying us in the episode like cats, dogs, rain, and so on and so forth, but don't worry because our content is rocking. And on this episode, we spoke to the talented comedian and writer Radhika Vaz. She was the first ever female comedian that I came across, you know, who joked about things that women don't ordinarily talk about in public the way men do. So I always wanted to talk to Hadara and I can't believe that we actually did. Yeah, her jokes are hilarious and I loved her memoir. I think it's one of the most honest memoirs I've read. You know, usually when I read memoirs, I like them, but I always do feel that there's a veil or a curtain. But in this one, I felt that she was absolutely honest and just herself. And in in person, she turned out to be exactly like her book. Humble, funny, vulnerable and so cool. So, let's dive in. Hi everyone. We are really excited to speak to Radhika Vaz today. She is one of the most brilliant comedians we have come across. She's written her memoir Unladylike, so we are here to find out about her writing process and much more. Welcome Radhika. Hi guys. Thanks for having me. Hi Radhika. Hello. So Radhika, you were really honest in your book and you know I was wondering like would I ever be so honest in my writing because honestly I'm really comfortable with fiction because you know you can hide behind characters uh, but here you were saying right you know this is you like there is no hiding so how did you find the courage to you know reveal it all Radhika So you know I also feel I mean as a non-fiction writer for me of course that's the holy grail writing fiction I mean firstly by the way thank I'm so happy people think I'm a writer because I feel like as a stand up comic uh we have such low self esteem about our writing capabilities so I'm always very flattered to know someone's like oh she's a writer uh and then I feel like a big fraud I'm like no they're going to find out I'm not a writer but so for me I just feel a fiction writer actually this you're so daring and even a fiction writer you're writing so much from places that you've somehow dreamt of or thought of so even that's super brave right because some of the stuff you guys dream and think of is pretty hardcore stuff so i would say it takes the same amount of courage frankly that's my feeling i uh started doing stand up comedy and i started doing improvised comedy before that and i think because there's no time in improvised comedy to sit and edit yourself whatever's in your head just comes out and so that definitely helped me with the having the courage and i and i you can't see me right now but i'm sort of using air quotes around the word courage uh to have the courage to say stuff that maybe some people wouldn't uh, only because i wasn't allowed to censor myself while it was coming out of my mouth so whatever i thought came straight out and then i got used to that um which is kind of where my stand up comedy also comes from and i think i'm very inspired by women uh who do just say what's on their mind so i think for me those role models came into my life when i started doing comedy and then it sort of went from there Yeah you know when i was reading your book radhika i mean i love the honesty so i was taking screenshots of you know the parts where you know you were just out there and i was sending it to my friends and my friends are like oh my god did you write this i mean it was like 
you were speaking you know all the things that i think in my head but i never say to anybody so you know and then michelle and i were reading it together and we were you know please share the screenshots with me i will yeah 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 what we're talking about <laughs> it was so funny and michelle and i just loved reading it together because you know it just sparked so much discussion about you know uh, just being yourself you know and putting it out there and usually you know i don't buddy read so i really enjoyed reading the book with tara it's just it's so much fun to know that you know we are on the same page you know regarding your writing that's so cool yeah and we didn't really like we haven't really seen um, you know too much writing by a woman that is so honest and that reflects in your comedy as well oh <laughs> thanks you guys i love the i love the phrase buddy reading i didn't know that such a thing existed but i kind of see the point of it actually it's a, it's a cool way to to read something because then you can talk about it immediately with someone who gives a shit about it yeah exactly yeah because i'm like oh my god you know like i must share i must share what what we're reading and we must discuss it together because you want to share it right away so but radhika we um, so when we were doing um, you know our research about this we learned that this book is actually commissioned um so could you talk a little bit about you know uh that process sure so what happened was i um had started performing uh you know i was performing stand up and i brought my show unladylike to india and when i did i got a lot of press for it only again like you said because i think it was really out there and it was the first time a live female performer was talking that frankly about her vagina and her rectum and sex and not even just that like even growing up and what having my period felt like and uh being married and what watching porn is like and then being called a nag as a woman like what does that feel like and why should we not care and so on and so forth so uh there were lots of things that i guess i touched on that just affected the way people even looked at how they spoke about themselves and so uh that press led basically landed with uh an editor uh my editor simar and she wrote to me saying i just saw this article about you and i've done a little bit of research and based on that i was just wondering whether you'd be interested oh i used to do a blog this is so far back i had forgotten about it oh oh wow even i have a blog and a blog like you know maintaining a blog really helps to establish yourself as a writer yeah as a writer and the thing is the funny thing is i didn't even do it as a writer i which i mean i don't know why i keep saying that i am a, i'm i have to be a writer if i'm writing stand up comedy even right but um i did it to be disciplined like i uh, and it was really low maintenance it was once every 3 weeks i think i had to post something and it had to be like a finished piece so initially it was really stressful because i didn't know what i was doing and i had a couple of bits that i'd written um in 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 performance writing classes and i would just put those up and as it went along i started to get into looking for topics looking for ideas things would occur to me i'd write about them i'd put them on the blog and i didn't have a hard and fast rule about what i would post so it was all over the map it was travel it was personal experience it was stuff from my past it was about my parents it was about living in new york it was about working in advertising it was about my toenails it was about uh, jennifer aniston like it was all over the place so it didn't matter which was awesome because i think sometimes if you're not someone who went to writing school for example or you didn't do it as a 
you know, you never thought you'd take it as a profession. You want to give yourself as much freedom as you can, just so that you can get used to the idea of doing it. Uh, so I'm glad in a way I didn't say that I'm only going to write about like really feminist things because I didn't even understand at that time what that meant. So, yeah, and I can totally relate to that, Radhika, because I myself, I've not been trained uh, in writing. And, you know, you want to basically explore whatever you can, you know, your potential as a writer because you don't feel controlled by any kind of restriction exactly right? and and i think that if you put too many you know ideas on yourself as to what kind of writer you are early on you may not become any kind of writer so in a way for me that flexibility of write whatever you want just make it feel something while you're writing i think that for me was what developed i started to have a feeling about something so if something irritated me made me angry or fascinated me i would gravitate to those topics and i would just write about them it's interesting because uh, your book you know um, it's a memoir uh, and you don't really talk too much about your comedy career uh, as much as you know uh, your growing up years and you know puberty and relationships and all of those things so why did you decide to make that choice uh, so when the editor saw the article about my show he liked what i was talking about and she went online and found my blog and the moment she found my blog she read through it and figured oh she can write she could write short essays it could be a book so that was really what happened and then she contacted me and i was in that frame of mind where i was saying yes to everything so i think what happened just to answer the next question about comedy was we took a lot of subject matter from the blog that you know the stuff that uh because i didn't know what i was doing i i leaned a lot on my editor and so what she said was okay i'm going to give you of the 50 60 pieces you have on this blog i'm going to pick 20 that really feel they were going somewhere pieces that really felt strong that already tied together in some kind of a storyline and feel like they're going somewhere so that you can further elaborate on them and so she pulled so that was kind of the starting point So that's really uh, interesting Radhika because actually our very next question was you know about editorial intervention and you know what kind of uh, you know ideas did your editor give you because you know we just loved the kind of topics that you've covered like for example yeah. you know discussing the beauty standards in the book like I you know as a kid I had a huge collection of dolls and I used to actually Me too. That, <laughs> I yeah, think all girls do. Yeah and like I thought you know having blue eyes and blonde hair is the ultimate you know standard of beauty and I used to wonder why don't I look like that not to so, mention you know, like light yeah pink pink rosy cheeks yeah. and you know, other rubbish nonsense <laughs> Yeah I mean thank you for being so vulnerable on the page uh, yeah. Radhika really yeah. it was, was really very, really nice Yeah I was that I didn't have that I wanted that and yeah. I used to beg my I, I love when yeah I love when you mention you know by like can I get uh, can I get blonde hair and blue eyes <laughs> that was so cute I'm sure um, maybe maybe you can like <laughs> she's like yeah, I guess I mean my poor parents really I feel bad for them but anyway uh, about the comedy I think the reason we didn't focus that much on it was because it felt like that was probably the newest thing in my life and I hadn't personally had enough experience with it for me to really write about it and i i was very conscious of that as i went along and uh i i do feel as far as editorial intervention is concerned the writer and the editor have to be on the same page they have to trust each other i think we built a lot of a really good working relationship which was very important definitely um and since it's a memoir um you know um, a lot of the events happened way back in the past so how did you you know recreate those events uh, so skillfully you know there's so much description there's so much dialogue 
you know were you uh, did you you know have diaries that you went off of or how did you create those i think that i had a lot of um, storytelling practice as a child so a lot of the conversations i've had over the years about my past um have been probably helpful because i i don't keep a diary uh but i do have I have a freaking crazy memory i mean my friends keep accusing like they hate that about me because i will you're remember. very lucky i am i have the worst memory <laughs> well that helps and then it doesn't sometimes you know what i'm saying because some of the shit i'd like to forget i can't you know i'd be like mm, i wish i could forget that you know i wish that would not remain in my head as a memory and that was the other thing i couldn't write about everything I could write about specific things there are specific periods of my life which are far more vivid and far more entrenched in my memory than others and there are reasons for that you know they were very big changes i have a lot of photographic evidence uh so my dad so there are certain parts about my childhood especially my my time living in iraq which is where uh, some of the stories really were from uh, where i have a lot of photographs and and also talking about you know vivid uh, scenes radhika so something that really stood out uh, for me at least you know in the book was how honest you were about the bullying experience you know for like i'm sure all of us girls have experienced it in some way or another in school but totally I mean, yeah <laughs> like i was you know immediately reminded of my friend you know like boys used to tease her for being very hairy and and i found that very disturbing you know so i was just wondering radhika like you know did you have this internal conflict of you know what to include in the book or what to filter out did you feel like you should not reveal some things like to just you know save your friends from being embarrassed in the book or something like that you know that's why i changed some names because i felt that you know the larger greater population would not know who i was talking about uh i didn't because i also felt like it's my story you know at the end of the day and i think that is what's so hard about being friends with people in our business right in any kind of writing or any kind of the arts i mean there's always going to be a reference to our real lives so whether it's fiction or not uh there's always going to be those characters who are like mm, i think that's me i think she's writing about me you know you're going to know when you're writing that character that if so and so reads it uh, he's going to know or she's going to know that this was based on him or her or they as i would like to politically mention but i definitely didn't worry and there were a few uh, uh, situations where i've specifically named people where i did call them who i'm in touch with and say hey listen i'm putting your name in i'm putting your name in this is the story where your name is going to come in the porn story is where your name is going to come in and i had one or two friends who like do not put my freaking name in tell the damn story but don't put my name in and i'm like fair enough <laughs> but that's so nice of you radhika to ask your permission i mean you know as fiction writers we often steal <laughs> stories from michelle michelle do you do you do a lot of your friends show up in your writing <laughs> i don't know tara <laughs> i'm sure they do man i mean how could they not right like <laughs> yeah i mean maybe they find themselves but you know i mean i can always deny it <laughs> you can yeah. and you should and radhika you know some of the opening lines i mean so much of your book is so funny but what really stuck out to uh, us with some of the opening lines um, you know uh, one of the chapters starts uh, you know you say the first time my vagina farted i was in the ninth grade you know um, <laughs> yeah. and then another one i'll just read another thing with boarding school is that you never consider a life after it you know so we we really loved the way that you began each chapter so how did you come up with these lines was it a conscious choice uh, yeah that definitely was a conscious choice i think that being a stand up comedian one of the things you learn very very quickly is that 
whether you have one hour on stage or five minutes on stage, the first couple of lines is what's going to draw people in. Yes, your personality and your performance style and all of that makes a big difference too. But I think that especially, yeah, and I think that's true when you, uh, you know, when you have multiple topics also that you're talking about, your first line on that topic better be in, impactful because you can lose someone very quickly otherwise. So I, I think for that reason, I never took a lot of time to start something. I tried to just go there as quickly as possible. That's a very good learning lesson for, you know, writers in general, Radhika, you know, because you do draw from your experience of, you know, writing jokes. And as you said, the very first line should hook your uh, reader, you know, or else you'll just lose them. So I think that's a very good strategy. I mean, even think about it. Forget opening line. Just the name of a book can sometimes draw you in, right? Talking about the title, Radhika, I mean, Unladylike was so catchy, you know. I was like, I have to read this book right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why? so why the title, Radhika? Why the choice of Unladylike? I think the title, you know, got drawn from the show. Uh, my first show, we titled it Unladylike. And the reason that that happened was because it felt like there was a lot of pressure, and there is still, on women to conform to a standard of femininity, okay? Not even of beauty, forget the beauty part. Just this whole what's feminine and what's not feminine. I always felt very much like I lived on this border of what was ladylike or what was feminine or what was expected of a woman. And I didn't feel bad about it most of the time. But overall, I I always felt like I'm not, I don't, I just don't fit in here. Like I don't fit into this mold of ladylike, whether it's behavior or the way I speak or even the things and the people that I like and look up to, they're not ladylike. Like the two women I thought were fantastic, like right through my childhood were Martina Navratilova and freaking Grace Jones. Martina Navratilova, I mean, she's like the greatest tennis player that ever lived outside of Serena Williams, probably, right? So she was just this force of nature. She won one Grand Slam after the other. And Grace Jones is an actor and singer. Again, I want to say from the 80s, to me, they like they're muscular. They are what we would call kind of manly or not feminine. They didn't conform to what was feminine, but they had power. It's amazing to me that a human being can be so good looking, like so amazing looking, like <laughs> amazing, amazing. You're and really honest, Radhika, and that's something that really comes across in your book as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, <laughs> I, I guess I try to be. And so I gravitated to women like that. I didn't uh, actually in my gut feel like, uh, oh, I wish I looked like Meg Ryan or, oh, I wish I looked like... Um, Aishwarya Rai or who I wish I never it never was part of me and, and these are unrealistic standards you know I mean so was Martina Navratilova I mean like I wanted to look like <laughs> number one yeah. like a seeded tennis player who was number one for a decade I mean it's always unrealistic but I think for me what really bothered me was why do women all have to freaking look like this you know like why do we have to be skinny and uh, hairless and talk softly and never swear before I wrote my book, I actually had uh, uh, became friends with uh, this girl in New York because I lived there for a really long time. And she never shaved her legs or her arms or her armpits or any of that shit. She just didn't. I remember when I was a kid, Radhika, just to interrupt, I remember when I was a kid, you know, um, girls in my school had started waxing as early as nine, you know. And I remember showing up for birthday parties and things like that when I was 12 and 13 and I had hair and, you know, I remember being made fun of for that, you know. Oh, totally. So, I mean, these things are so ingrained, yeah. 
So for me, because of the kind of parents I had, I was never pushed in one direction or another. I was never told, don't wear this or wear that or girls do this or girls do that. I never heard that at home. So I actually came into my very, uh, like my 11, 12 years old, kind of not really caring if I was a girl or a boy or even thinking about it. It was literally at that moment though, like by the time you're when you're 13, 14, and I joined boarding school and I started, that's when you start to feel the difference between boys and girls. And you're like, okay, now I have to pick a team. I'm a girl. Now, what kind of girl am I? Then you start to see the girls who are popular. But you know, what's so interesting is that, uh, you know, you mentioned in earlier interviews that your comedy is not agenda driven. And it, it's it's very, and you know, that was very obvious in your book as well, where we really didn't feel like you were you know, driving a particular agenda, but you were just being honest. And that's something that uh, we really, really appreciated. Yeah, you know, uh, I recently got asked that question, I think, by somebody who said, uh, should women comedians be talking more about like feminist stuff? And I remember thinking and saying that no, because women, I mean, you're a woman, you're already, if you just give into it, you're already a feminist. I mean, you're already a woman in this world you're already fighting against all kinds of shit. So you're a feminist. You're already a feminist in action. There's no need to further say it. If that's your choice, I mean, I'm into it, man. But it's not necessary. I mean, I think women just being out there and doing stuff is is awesome and feminist in itself. So I never felt a pressure to push any agenda as such. Having said that, I am very much inspired by uh, the gender divide. Because before that, I worked in advertising as an account executive. I worked in insurance. I worked in hotel sales. I never thought of myself as a creative person. And it was only after I became aware of how uh, there's so many women out there telling stories about their lives or writers who were writing about why it is that society treats women a certain way. That inspired me a lot. So to some degree, I think a lot of people do think I'm pushing an agenda, but you're right. I'm not intentionally doing it. I'm an optimist. So, you know, I do see and I am seeing so many more role models um, for women, you know, nowadays than there were even when I was growing up. Maybe we'll see women, um, you know, occupying half of the leadership positions in the world because I do see that trend um, you know, happening. And, and I really, you know, hope that more voices and, and because of social media and all of those things, you know, we are getting more of a voice and yeah. the voices like yours are really important. But coming back to writing, you know, uh, we read in an interview that you said that writing this book is actually hard. It was actually harder than writing a comedy sketch. Why was the book harder? Well, firstly, a sketch is like five minutes long and this freaking book would not end. <laughs> so that was number one. Um, I think also um, I started my writing career as a sketch and monologue writer. So I had been doing a lot of improvised comedy and it just was sort of the next step. So, you know, when you're already doing something and you naturally sort of flowed into it, you never think of it as difficult. So number one, the, the skill of writing a story, not in a sketch format that has sort of this beginning, middle and end. And I think that with sketch, you don't have to describe a lot of stuff, right? Like I don't have to describe the emotional and mental framework of my character. That's for the actor to portray. I just have to give them some words and stage directions, right? Whereas in a book, the difficulty is that I have to be able to show you what I'm feeling and how the hell do I do that? 
So that was definitely uh, took a lot of, that took some practice. Uh, that took some practice to remember that I had to do that. And then um, the discipline yeah, of writing paragraph after paragraph every damn day and feeling like you're not going anywhere. Like I'm like, wait, I thought I wrote a thousand five hundred words yesterday. It feels like I didn't. So that was also... So what kept you going, Radhika? It's interesting because I know it is a little tedious, right? When you have a certain word count to meet, when you have a deadline. So what really, you know, kept you returning back to the page? I think that uh, I am one of those people who feels very embarrassed if I don't hit a deadline. And um, Simran uh, was like, okay, every month, you know, we're going to, on this date, you're going to send me uh, X number of words. Like we came up with a word count that I would send her every month. And that broke it down to every week. And then from there, we broke it down to every day. And I just had to freaking sit down and write. And I think, you know, one more thing that did help me is that, again, my friend who made me write the blog, Marina, she told me, she said, look, even if it's a piece of shit, it's better than nothing. Like, why are you putting so much pressure on yourself to write David Sedaris's phrase. like why are you doing that to yourself like why are you comparing yourself to anybody they're already there yeah and that actually reminds me of a saying by a very famous writer uh, Radhika you know like you can actually improve on your writing but you can't improve on a blank page so I think your friend gave you really good advice because you know I think sometimes we writers are so crippled with self-doubt and we compare ourselves to the best writers and then that just affects our own writing completely it's like you know I'm reading this really interesting book by Naomi Wolf called The Beauty Myth it's not a new book it's probably written in the 80s but I just found I just started reading it and it's the same thing about how we think of ourselves period if I go and compare myself to the most beautiful woman on earth and if I believe that I can't take my freaking clothes off until I look exactly like her until my body is shaped like Kim Kardashian's I'm never going to have sex. I'm never going to enjoy sex. I'm never going to enjoy myself. And it's the same thing with creating anything, right? Like the moment you start comparing yourself to the gold standard, whatever that is, you're not going to have anything. And uh, in fact, Simmer, my my editor, a year ago, when I was just preparing to come back from New York after this project of mine got, got over, I wrote to her and I said, I'm freaking out because I don't have a writing idea. And uh, I kind of have a writing idea, but I don't have a writing idea and I don't know what to do. And she sent me this article written by a writer whose name I've forgotten, but it is called The Shitty First Draft. So literally now, the project I'm working on, I've, I've named my first draft The Shitty First Draft. So that's how it's saved in my computer, The Shitty First Draft. Wow, that's smart. Yeah, because I'm like, it's so shitty that it doesn't even matter. I just have to finish it, right? And I'm finding it's so liberating. Because now that I've finished it, so I'm I'm not writing a uh, I'm not writing prose. I'm not writing a book right now. I'm writing a, 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 what do you call it a script, and it's a short script. It's only like uh, for a twenty minute thing. But because I've never written that before, I you know I was struggling with it, and then I got this shitty first draft idea. I was like, wait a minute, Simmer sent me something. Let me go and look. And then about two weeks ago, I reread that because it, I'd saved it, and I was like, you know what? It is going to just need to, it just needs to be shitty. But the main thing is that it'd be there. And then I have pages that I can mark up and change stuff and move forward. And it really helps to to release the perfection. Yeah. And Radhika, you know, we also read somewhere that, you know, during lockdown, you are trying different forms of writing. And as you mentioned, now you're working on a script, you know, so how has the experience been like, like, you know, moving between forms, like, you know, writing a joke, writing a book and now scripts. 
you know, I think some of us like to punish ourselves by not sticking to one thing and getting really good at it. We we need to be all over the place, trying all kinds of different things that uh, for whatever reason. So uh, I, I think some people are just like that. And I think I just am one of those people. So it's not even something that I've consciously set out to do. I was writing stand-up when the book idea came to me. And then once the book started to go, uh, Times of India wanted me to write columns for them. And then in the middle of all of that, I had developed this character online, like a YouTube thing. And that became a sketch show. Um, And then, you know, the sketch show got picked up and we were commissioned to write a couple of scripts that were TV show length and that finally, unfortunately, didn't go anywhere. So for me, it's stressful because I I, I keep thinking, shit, man, I should just be writing stand-up or why am I not just writing my next book? You know, why am I not focusing on the areas that I already know? But this thing is in me. I have to do it. And if you don't have that thing in you, then great, it's fine. But if it's in you, then you have to let it out, you know? Right. And sometimes, it, I mean, it's fun to explore different forms and experiment as well. I think so. It's style, right? It's just a question of seeing whether you you can and you or you can't. And I don't know. And again, I think it has to be innate. I don't think... I would not advise someone who had no desire to write a particular type of thing to write it. You know what I mean? Like if you have no desire at all to write stand-up comedy, why the hell would I make you? Right, right. And you know, it's really interesting because the Indian comedy scene is booming right now, you know, and there's so many people who want to enter and stand, you know, stand out in within the scene. So as somebody who's, you know, successful, what can one do to really, you know, develop your own voice and Maybe this is a hard question, but what are the elements that really go into writing a good joke or connecting with your audience? See, for everyone, it's different. How you find your way into telling a story is unique to every one of us. Uh, For me personally, I feel like you have to be observant enough that you're picking up stuff as you go through your day. Because if you're not a naturally super observant person, I don't think you're going to gravitate to writing. And if you do, you're probably not going to enjoy it. So the moment you start to identify things that you find interesting or that stand out to you or that make you laugh, that's an important part of being a stand-up comedy writer. That I, I think that's important for all writing, but definitely for stand-up comedy because observational humor is a big part of, of how we write. And then there's your absurd mind that can go off into, imagine if this world existed where our clothes had conversations with one another when you shut the closet door. What would that sound like? So you could have that way of thinking as well. <laughs> that is really imaginative, Radhika. Right? I was actually thinking of my clothes talking to each other. Or your furniture, like when you leave the house, like who's to say your sofa is not talking to the carpet about what, <laughs> what a dumb place for this bitch to have put me in. Like I'm not getting any sunlight and you're getting all the sunlight and you've got a nice tan. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I find certain things entertaining that other people may not. No, but it's very, it's very amusing, Radhika, you know, and so and, and we were and you know, we were wondering, so what is the kind of reception you've been getting for the book, Radhika? Because see, I, as a reader, you know, I really connected to some pieces, which I think not everyone would connect to. So for example, you know, uh, the way you've mentioned Arabic in the book, like I could really relate to it, because you know, I was born and raised in Bahrain, and it made me very nostalgic 
you know so some certain things i felt you know only i could really relate to so was that something you had in mind like you know when you were writing it like the kind of reception it would get i'll try anything once okay and uh, that includes different types of writing different types of comedy but i definitely feel like as a creative person you can only relate to what you relate to and then if you find a few people who like it that's awesome and if everyone doesn't like it that's too bad you have to live with whoever relates to you which may be a very small group of people or maybe a very large group of people it doesn't really matter but the point is it needs to, so long as you weren't trying to be too relatable i think that that always spoils it you know what i mean so like i've read people who are super relatable everybody loves them but they're not trying to be relatable they just are that way you know they just touch on topics that more people tend to like i don't know if i'm always like that because some of like you said some of my stuff is kind of like uh very specific but then i'll tell you one more thing that i do feel i do feel that with writing especially and maybe all creative arts if your specificity sometimes makes things more generally relatable so me as a person i'm a very specific type of person and if i stay true to that exact specificity then more people are able to get the message whereas i think if i dilute my specificity with trying to be a bit more broad based that may lose the message altogether and then you know what you've got this very broad character or very broad story that not a lot of people identify with right completely um, you know and that's what sort of we were thinking of and we even thought of the concept for this podcast yeah so radhika now we have a, a, a more fun segment um the rapid fire round yes we have copied coffee with karan but oh gosh uh, not very successfully <laughs> so far but anyway just me is copying it from someone else i don't think he came up with the rapid fire round so it's okay okay your the first question who are your top 3 favorite comedians my top 3 favorite comedians okay um it's like picking my favorite children i <laughs> i really love lily tomlin okay she's uh, she's much older she's probably in her 70s now but i i became aware of her when i was very young so i think that's something that just stuck with me um i'm really fond of chelsea handler she's far more mainstream and um patrice o'neil very very controversial uh, died a couple of years ago these were the three i could think of yeah so so the next one is uh, radhika do you prefer writing with your hands or feet <laughs> i prefer writing with my feet i love a challenge <laughs> uh yeah probably with uh, probably with my hands because i use a laptop and i haven't taught my toes how to uh, type okay radhika your top 3 comfort reads karl muller david sedaris who else do i just pick off a shelf i really like bapsi sidwa So Radhika the next question is do you want to be Radhika Vas in your next life or a privileged white man a uh, definitely a privileged white man thanks very much i wish i had been a privileged white man in this life then i could have then i could have done something about the radhika vases of the world and then come back as radhika vas <laughs> okay um netflix or reading um right now this minute i would probably prefer to watch something on netflix but there are two times in the day where i have to be reading and that's either early in the morning or kind of late in the evening like 7:30 8 in the evening if i watch anything i start to get very distracted and very hassled nice okay how long uh, did you take radhika to write your book uh i probably took a full year no i took longer i probably took a year and a half because 
uh, keep in mind, it was really not my only writing project at the time. I was writing and performing stand-up. I was writing a column. I was also already starting to work a little bit on my sh- my my um, my sketch show, Shugs and Fats. So there was a lot of movement in my life. I I didn't have the. It wasn't my only project, so it did take me a year and a half, probably. Well, Radhika, that brings us to the end of the interview. We just want to thank you so much for all of your insights um, and for your book. It really brightened up, um, you know, our moods when we when we read it. Brightened up my mood for sure, uh, and I was laughing out loud. And it's really been a dream come true, uh, you know, to interview you after watching all your oh sketches. Oh my god, you guys are so sweet. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for highlighting my book and uh yeah i so appreciate that because you know as you guys know you put in time and you put in effort to doing anything and you're just happy if anyone pays it attention so yeah so i'm very very grateful thank you so much yeah thank you radhika okay ladies it was a pleasure speaking to radhika was so much fun and i absolutely can't wait for our next episode because we are going to be talking to the father of speculative fiction in india samit basu I really loved his book Chosen Spirits and it has been recently longlisted for the JCB prize and if you haven't read it yet please do it's one of those books that will really stay with you for a long time absolutely and as always you will find us on at bound india on instagram twitter and facebook and as always we really want you to write in uh, tell us your recommendations feedback and more um, and until then see you next time